Greetings, folks. This is Jim Ryan, and you're listening to the 28th episode of Crucible of Realms. This episode was recorded in December of 2013. Since then, our guest, Drew Meyer, has done a good deal of podcasting. He currently appears on a couple of Doctor Who podcasts. He's a regular co-host on Who and Company, which you can find at whoandcompany.libsyn.com, and he can also be heard on episodes of the Doctor Who podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can follow Drew on Twitter at Drew M. Meyer, that's D-R-E-W-M-M-E-Y-E-R, and you can find some of his game design work at scaldcrow.com, that's S-C-A-L-D-C-R-O-W dot com. And now, on with the show. Quite suddenly, I've decided to look up words in Latin. Oh, that's actually not a bad idea, too. Go, Google Translate! I'm not actually here. Uh, it only looks uh, like these are not. To be here. These are not yeah. the podcasters that you're looking for. Probably not. We're not really here. You got that echo thing going on, sounding like God. John, John, I want you to do something for me. Go amongst the people. Go amongst them and tell them the podcast will be ready soon. Really, we mean it this time. Maybe they can shrink the population, and now physically, they're actually smaller than the other people. Because scientifically, they're more efficient physically. I don't know if we want to go that far. (laughs) (laughs) I do not relish the idea of technonomes right now. It would just be technonomes. In other settings, maybe. Technonomes. The trouble isn't starting to say technonomes, it's stopping. Technonomes. I will need to say one or two things to drop into the Epoch iteration so that it will sound as though you're not with us yet for a moment when I am saying these things, and then I will address you, and then you may repeat what you just said. I call upon and, uh, the spirit world. Send <laughs> yes. us a co-host. Co-host, spirit world, are you listening? I am here. It'll be something like that, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Crucible of Realms. I'm Jim. I'm John. And I'm Kent. And our guest today is Drew Meyer. Hello, sir. Hi, everybody. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it's, it's great. It's a miserably cold and wet day, so it's good to be inside talking with you guys. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we, we arranged for the weather to be that way so that you would be forced to go inside and speak to us. I didn't need to use, do uh, yard work anyway. Yeah, yeah who needs it? You know, why rake the leaves? They're going to fall again next year anyway. <laughs> So for anyone who may not be familiar, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am uh, the project consultant for a company called Skullcrow Games, a role-playing game group based out of Greensboro, North Carolina. As such, I do writing contributions and editing. We've just done four books from a fairly successful Kickstarter that started in uh, 2000, early 2013, it's The Worlds of Pulp. So we've got David Beauchamp's Amazing Pulp Adventures. We've got uh, Rotvang City, The City of Shadows. Helped us right. do one called uh, The Tower of Dr. Alienstein. And uh, let's see. Oh, and the main core rulebook. So yeah, if you're looking for stuff, that's me. That sounds very cool. Awesome. So let's get down to world building. So we've gone uh, delving into the list, and we're thinking about going and developing a world of pocket dimensions, where time passes at different rates and the laws of reality are different from pocket to pocket. We're going to see if we can turn that idea into something. My first question is, when we're talking about pocket dimensions, is this world like in one big uh, overarching thing? In other words, is this world in a larger dimension and these pocket dimensions 
Are things that connect all to this one world, or are they a series of pocket dimensions connected to each other in like a chain? I like to think of it as there is a a central reality that acts as a control, so everything is set to controlled rules, and then the pocket dimensions either can be searched out and found, or are events that happen beyond the control of the, the inhabitants of the control dimension. Can force them into other ones, right? Can force them into other ones, yeah. Right. Imagine mm-hmm. it like uh, dimensions maybe come in waves, so the frequency of waves and the strength of the, the pocket dimension is in flux. Oh, hmm. interesting. So there's not multiple at the same time. Everybody experiences the same pocket dimension at the same time? Not necessarily. So imagine a freestanding three-dimensional ball of water, and mm-hmm. you were to throw rocks into different points, it would create ripples. But those ripples would travel the entirety of the, the globe. So you've got these pocket dimensions that are happening simultaneously, but not always necessarily in the same location. Okay. Okay. Aha. Uh-huh. That is cool. Okay. So this is, I know, not what we were thinking at the beginning. What if we actually do that literally? What I'm saying is, what if this is an ocean planet and you travel to the different pocket dimensions in a submarine? Submarine? Hmm. Or something like it. Basically an, an underwater vessel that you can take to different... And this, they're like different bubbles, but you, you penetrate the bubble and you're in a different world. Hmm. Does that sound ridiculous with, or is that uh, workable? With the pocket dimensions are bubbles. Oh, the bubbles are the, the gateways. The bubbles are the gateways. Yeah, they're sort of like, well, they're, they're like little little pockets of something. And you, you pile it into them and then you're suddenly in a different place. I like it except for from a, a standpoint... Until you go into those other dimensions, you are in a very constricted arena, being inside a sub. And Mm -hmm. what if you go into a dimension where it's not a dimension of water, and suddenly you're in a submarine that's just kind of hanging out there, and you're in a desert planet? Then you should have planned ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then the vehicle, the vehicle. You have to create these vehicles that that can what float and drive. It has to be a uh, instead of all terrain, instead of ATV, it would be an ADV, an all-dimensional vehicle. uh, Yes. You would have to make sure you have some very handy uh, quantum mechanics in the actual professional sense there to help you with uh, your transportation. I mean, that was just throwing that idea out. It may be a little too far out there yeah, for us uh, to be able to... Well, I mean, we have to put our... Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. Just don't call them submarines. It would be... Well, yeah, I know. That's, uh, <laughs> unless they actually are World War II submarines. Ether... <laughs> no, I like ADVs. Yeah. Ethernauts or something. Yeah. And it could be even something where maybe it's not actually a, a water planet or what have you. Maybe it's actually like there is a this this stuff well, that, that you have to pilot through. For the for the purposes of visualization though. Yeah. Well, can I throw this out then? Because if you have an idea of what the dimension you're going into is, that's one thing. But if you don't know, wouldn't it behoove you and your explorers or travelers or whomever to live in an encased enclosure so that if the dimension you go into is hostile, at least you have that chance of surviving initially. So right. the, the initial planet might not necessarily yeah. be an aquatic, but you want to get in there just in case it's, for instance, uh, you're in space or right. a dimension of sulfuric acid, you know, along those lines. So <laughs> right. You want a starship to go underneath the water. Yes. I like the idea of uh, the same world existing and some people who cannot afford these giant ships but need to escape to someplace else, taking out boats with just sails and hoping to sail into stuff <laughs> to escape to a, to a better world. It's like, but you're wow. not in an ADV. 
Well, yeah, but, you know, you have these guys, they're whole almost like nomadic tribes of people who sail from one thing to another. So they're actually low tech travelers in all of this. So it it really is a sphere. It is really an Earth-like globe with land masses and it's the oceans that are the actual portals to these other planes. Well, I was just using it as an allegory. If you think of it as imagine our Earth as a planet and we surround it in this sphere. But instead of water, the water is used as a metaphor for the state of the dimensional rifts. Right, so, right. You know, if, so, if, but there are stable places. Yes. That's what I was getting at. Okay. Islands. Say there are islands where it might be different from whatever's surrounding it, but it's always stable in that spot. Fixed dimensional points. They're fixed points. Right. Because we wanted pockets that have different. Yeah. So the the people grew up and people just disappeared and so they finally figured it out? Well, imagine if you're reading a history book and the history book starts off with all these stories and myths. And as we get further along in technology, we understand that those myths are based off of the the ripple effect and how it's interacting with the control sphere. Um, And as our technology meets a certain level, we have the ability to open more or detect more so that you could write a story or do a movie or play a game within this anywhere in a fixed point in time. So you could potentially go, well, yeah, this exists in our medieval world, but what's coming through isn't technology or aliens or whatever. It's magical, the gods, or something along those lines. It's based off of our understanding of it. And I imagine also that these dimensional shifts could work both ways. So you could go into one, and then something could come out. Ooh, yeah. Displacing matter, you know, for whatever goes in must come out. There's something that I'd like to get nailed down real quick Uh Oh, that uh, I'm hoping we can uh, just make a decision on real fast. It'll sort of help figure out one of the directions we want to go in here. The way we're sort of talking about this is as though these are all different worlds that one visits when one goes into a different dimension. If we did that, that could easily just be everything within the same, even on the same plane of existence. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, However, if we're talking about pocket dimensions where time passes at different rates Uh and, you know, different laws of reality and such... I guess what, what I'm what I'm trying to get at is, are we looking at a, a place from which you visit a bunch of different worlds, or are we looking at a place from which you visit a, a bunch of different smaller areas where rules are different? I think initially we started rules are different, then we got into different worlds. I'd like to give it back to the rules are different. I like that idea where the setting is stationary, but the, the realities change when you go through them. I think that's what we were okay. initially pitching. Are we talking about a flat plane? An infinite plane that you could go away from any one point and never come back. We haven't really even defined what the world, quote-unquote, is like. So it could be. It could be a flat plane, or it could be a a, a place that is very watery, or it could be just like Earth. Well, I, I sort of uh, like the idea of that there's some barrier, natural barrier, or or some sort of barrier between... That, yeah, you could stumble into some dimensions, but most of them you're going to either have to seek or have to, you know, you have to worry about, hey, if I walk through this point, things could be bad over the, on the other side. I could be walking into an ice yeah. field. So something with definitive barriers that are detectable is kind of How what you're this? saying. Thinking of a right. map of Europe, right? All these different countries, but do it like we do at a map of the United States where, you know, hey, Georgia is going to be green in color and North Carolina is going to be red in color and South Carolina is going to be purple in color. If you think of that on a physics level, we have to completely renegotiate the geography of this plane based off of the laws of physics that change in those different sections. 
So what might have already existed as natural socio-geographical borders now have to be changed or have evolved into a change based off of the rules that have evolved there. So if there is a physical border, like some kind of force field, that when you cross it, gravity increases by 30%, while people who lived outside of that sphere don't have to normally deal with that, a whole culture has developed within that sphere because of those rules of gravity. Or maybe everyone can yeah. fly because X happened. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I- but the problem, if you if you do that, well, one, it's we we've bitten off a lot. Yes, yeah, true. It's true. That's a, well. Well, we we can get it down to a manageable. Well, size, but but, but you yeah, know, yeah. but then yeah, we're gonna have to figure out what what are people doing in this. You know, what's our what's our driving force here to uh-huh. explore? Well, and that uh, leads me to another question, and uh, that is, do we want these pocket dimensions to be integral to the way that this world functions, or we, or do we want them to be secret? Because mm. well, the answer to that question can take us down one path or another. Well, if they're common enough that you know people stumble into them or are specifically choosing to go into them, then I would imagine people know. Yeah, okay. Or what about minor spheres, minor dimensions that are are common, but that there is something secret that is greater than that only certain people know. And that could be the crux of storylines is the the stumbling onto a a, a greater spatial reality or or something along those lines. Hmm. So like maybe they thought it was one system, but it is in fact another. Or or they're looking for what happened, why things are the way they are. That's another possibility. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So here then are a couple of thoughts that come to me uh, if we do that. Uh, if we wanted to lean in the fantasy direction, then that could be a fantasy world that has suffered some sort of, um, I don't want to say an apocalypse, but just some stuff happened to it where it's gotten torn up into different places and you have different sort of weird planar stuff going on, but then these different pockets that you can travel through. So that's one possibility. If we were to go more sci-fi with it, then I can see this as being like a planet where there were ancient civilizations or something, and people are now coming to see it and explore and try to figure things out, but then something happened to it, and people are now wandering into these pockets and finding out, you know, just kind of archaeologically discovering kind of what's going on. Those are two possible approaches. There are many more. Hmm. But those are the first couple that come to mind. Is uh, anything ringing any bells, or well, should we keep digging? And see, the, the problem is, is that why aren't there both? Either, you know what I'm saying? Why isn't there magic and science technology yeah. already on the Well, planet. we could do that. I mean, if that's, if that's kind of more what we're looking at is a uh, place where the rules change. Mm-hmm. Gunpowder works here. Gunpowder doesn't work there. Kind of like with Zelazny's Amber right. series. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a, a different thing entirely, which actually kind of evokes the idea of them kind of almost being different worlds that you're getting access to. Or at the very least, if it all happened to a single world, and it's just the rules that change, you don't necessarily get gateways to different places, but you get these pocket areas. If that's what's happening, you would need some sort of outside, I guess, cataloging force to make it more of a functional thing. Could it be a, a world that is sort of a patchwork world? where it's really overlapped other pieces of other worlds. It easily could be. So where your thing is, it's okay, yeah, gravity's 30% heavier there. So, you know, all this other different type of vegetation, you go there, you're suddenly 30% heavier and all that stuff. But, you know, you could cross the 50 miles that that boundary is to go to another, you know, area that's generally the same as where 
Yeah, more suitable, yeah. that kind of thing. I mean, we could do that. And there, maybe those areas are not stable. Maybe some are stable and some aren't. And nobody knows why. I think uh-huh. part of the thing is if, if we attempt to give a concrete map of all the different, I love the idea of patchwork. And I, I would love to figure out how to put that in there somewhere. If we try to map all that, that's going to take the entirety of oh. this is just mapping. But I like. Oh, to, we're not going to. No, no. If we go that way, we're only going to come up with like three of them. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying is the idea of creating a world where we universally recognize that the rules do change allows anyone who wants to use this world to their own, you know, they can customize it to themselves. And yeah. I really love the idea, regardless of it fantasy or sci-fi, of cultures adapting to the changes and then what drives the story forward is someone who is used to one culture or one reality moving to the next. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. To, to me, I find that very fascinating. And so it's yeah. not just, oh, you live in the mountains? Well, uh, you know, we like goats. Well, you have plain people. You like sheep. Uh, we're crazy. But, you know, if, <laughs> if, if there's a whole 50-mile stretch where, you know, X happens and it's and completely alien from the rest of the world. Yes. And you have cyber goats. Cyber, cyber goats. I think what what we're still coming back to is, are we looking at a fairly universal world with its own history that has different areas that affect everyday life? Or are we looking at a patchwork world where different areas are completely alien realities? It sounds like, yeah. you know, are we, are we looking at a, a technological level that is universal and the technology is affected differently? Or are we looking at something that is fantasy in one realm, science fiction in the other realm? I think that's what we need to nail down. Okay, well, yeah, really the question is, then is, do, is there a center? So either there is a center or there isn't. If there is a center, then there is something that is considered quote-unquote normal and the pockets are deviations from that. If it's a patchwork setup, then there is no center necessarily. We just have different zones that behave differently. Is that kind of what we're uh, sort of looking at here? Maybe. I like, would it be which interesting? Way, which way do we want to go? Would it be interesting to maybe have some of these zones move like seasonally? Well, that's or, where we were originally talking about the, the ripples of the water that were spreading yeah, out. Yeah. Right. If these zones were recognized and you knew they happened, but they weren't stationary, that completely changes your everyday life. So you'd have to be kind of prepared for anything. Yeah. Versus, I kind of like that, though. I, I kind of like the idea of people. People being very paranoid that any minute now a wave of uh, magic could come over them or a wave of cyber technology or a wave of increased gravity or a wave of... It kind of makes some of the peoples want to be nomadic to a certain extent because, oh crap, we got to move. The cyber world is coming. We've got to move over here where we can oh, no, we're stay about with to, our reality. We're about to be 30% heavier. Yeah. Well, you know, reality, no, nomadic realities really sounds kind of fascinating and groups who are moving along with the waves we're just following this pattern ah, of okay. something and if it it suddenly crashes over a, an already existing reality you have essentially what are human beings meeting other human beings but from a different rules uh, I'm, I'm sorry i'm going from yeah. a game game terminology a different rule set yeah you know? uh, now th- what would be interesting if you're migrating with the wave and then you come to a natural barrier oh. so what do you do Oh, it's like, uh, you're, at the edge of, the you're at the edge of oh, the crap, ocean. We're going to have to deal with the cyber goats. <laughs> Do we start quickly building boats and hope that you can stay with the wave as it enters the ocean? Or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, or, you or maybe to, you yeah, reach stuff. a point where they where the where the waves actually just sort of stop. It doesn't yeah. go on beyond that point. I was going to say, it kind of reminds me of the, I think it's the Yates poem, the the widening gyre, the center cannot hold. Yeah. Um, 
I had a kind of a brainstorm when you were talking about this, because you're talking about a possibility that there's an underlying thing that not everyone necessarily knows is going on. And in some ways, I guess it could be a little cliche, but I think this makes sense to me to a certain extent. If we go this way, that maybe the truth behind it is that the migrating realities are actually the result of migrations of actual beings. There are dimensional beasts that are not necessarily even physical, but they sail around the world and through the air or the atmosphere and they carry these realities with them. Hmm. That works, especially if you're discussing uh, a fantasy setting. Uh, or, well, I guess that it could be a sci-fi as well. Yeah, um, it could go either way, really. Sure. It's these are dimensional creatures that could be. It could even be either really big ones that are non-physical, or it could be bunches of flocks of uh, of smaller ones. I, so, I'm personally of the the mind where I don't want to know what causes it. But I like to see how people react to it. But that's just me. So. so the setting is already upon them when they've got to make their... They're suffering already from the 30% increase in weight in the morning when they wake up. Is that what you're saying? Like these are almost overnight instantaneous changes? Or are they a gradual change? I think it varies. I don't think the changes vary. I think there is a pattern that people can figure out and try to work with. Oh. But I think that some pockets will come over quickly and some will move more slowly. Ah, okay. That makes sense. I like the idea of different cultures having their own ways of detecting really? mm-hmm. the changes. So if we are talking about a society where we have technology, if we're talking to science fiction or science fantasy, you know, an arm bracelet that suddenly starts beeping an alarm and gives you a code and, and uh, you go, oh, my God, incoming wave, brace yourselves versus a lower technology people who have somehow become in tune with it. We'd almost see it like a sympathetic magic where they've cast yeah. they've cast the bones and the way the bones will tell them. And so they know to move. And they're almost more in tune with it because that natural instinct is somehow built into their greater subconscious, their collective unconscious. Um, Yeah. Yeah. From a story standpoint, being a fish out of water or a fish out of wave is a great idea. How do you react when your entire reality changes from a game standpoint? Ooh, that's just exciting. That just gives me kind of chills. Yeah. You've described two different types of peoples that might be on this world. Mm -hmm. And probably there could be almost, if you wanted to address a third type of peoples, I would think that maybe the, the ones who can make the most permanent structures and hold on to them are going to be the ones that are the most adaptable and self-reliant. I, I have to uh, imagine... Who can make things that work under more circumstances. A, a Mad Max faction, mm-hmm. where, where they just take anything that comes along yeah. as, uh, you know... Ah, patchwork people. Yeah, sort of. yeah. Uh, well, not not literally, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Maybe in some cases, literally. How do we immune our citizens to the effects of these? Life couldn't come to... It, there has to be some point in the past where this didn't occur. Correct. Yeah. Well, yeah. either that or they've found there are places where the transition is easier mm-hmm. or where the waves don't touch quite as traumatically. You wouldn't have a society if reality changed on a regular basis. Correct. I like the idea that you're talking about natural barriers. What if there was a natural barrier that it wasn't a geographical natural barrier, but rather a temporal natural barrier? There was something, either a type of mineral or something that grows, that has a certain immunity to the, the shift. To the resonance. Um, yep. Yeah. So you have your Mad Max society that just adapts with whatever happens. And on the, uh-huh. almost on the same side of that coin, or the opposite side of that coin, you would have a society that has figured out a way to, like a stalwart that has created a bulwark <laughs> against that. They don't adapt. 
they have stayed the same for a long time because they have that. And whatever that material is or way of thinking or ritual, that has become incredibly valuable because it allows a lack of change. Okay. But how do the how do the ones that don't have get that or do they ever get that? Because that's I mean, people are going to see this nice culture that isn't being affected by a wave and go, well, I want that. Yeah. How do I get that? Or do and they then, just take them over? And like then that, that is when you, they, yeah, that is when you lay siege to them <laughs> and say, "Give me." Yeah, that. but if their tech is so much better, you're not well, going to. Maybe, maybe it is. Well, is it? They don't, that's they the don't question. change. That's the thing. Yeah, maybe I'm not they, saying it's a good thing to not change. Change may very well be an advantage, but this is a culture that has decided that they don't want to change. And so you go from being that nomadic, you know, like if we think of early humans, we have a nomadic group. Suddenly we have an uh, uh, agricultural society who's figured out a way to, we don't have to follow the buffalo anymore. We can plant our own crops and stay just like this and build cities. Well, the cities grow and there's a great advantage to that, but there are also certain disadvantages to that. So this is becomes, uh, it's just a, a matter of taste. Do you want to adapt? Sometimes you'll you'll hit on something that will, greatly advance your population and then who knows you could lose it all over again there's a gamble to it as it were uh versus the stalwarts you say okay say i'm riding a buggy and horse uh-huh. and, and and a steampunk wave overtakes me does that buggy and horse suddenly become a car steam-powered car i think the horse and buggy doesn't work as in the same way as it did no i, I think it's a very valid question um and that's where we have to t- talk about the crux of of what these I, waves actually are. I think that what happens is if you drive your steam car into non-steam car land, it stops working. I would assume the horse and buggy would be a, a really safe bet to travel in because yeah. um, it should okay. work as a basic form of uh, engineering in, in pretty much any right. direction, okay. any dimension. Okay. Correct. So, so essentially but what we're well, saying is... As long is, as you have food for the horse. If, the, as long as if, you have food if there's the no food, you're in a desert. Yeah, the horse well, yeah. is going to die and the buggy's going to sit there not being drawn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the, the idea there being that you either go somewhere where the desert doesn't show up or... Uh, <laughs> And I think it's interesting because it means that the people who have the most permanent society and structure in this world are the Amish, essentially. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, so really, then steampunk that doesn't actually fit, really, at any rate. So, well, it could happen, but the thing well, is, but, that but it, is steam, you only have steampunk in rel- relation to technology. So there wouldn't be a wave of steampunk. There would be a wave of some place where that technology is somehow enhanced there could be a reality where the electrons don't flow in the same sense that they do in our let's say our control reality so the movement of electrons from one point to the other does not create electricity you might have protricity instead of electricity and then anything that's runs on electric base in our world doesn't exist in a in a a proto i i am joking it just doesn't work yeah (laughs) it doesn't work but a horse is going to work unless suddenly you appear in space or underwater or something else. And can I add one more thing? Because I really I think we had two ideas that are not exclusive. You could have a society that has figured out a way to not adapt, and we can have fixed points in the waves where societies can build in that structure without having to worry. Of, you know, like it could be that maybe let's just say randomly, and I don't like this idea necessarily, but quartz crystal, a large deposit of quartz crystal under the ground will keep the wave from affecting it within the radius of, you know, 10 feet from where this crystal is. So if you had a giant quartz crystal under the ground, that encampment is completely immune. So so let's say, but, you know, something along those lines. Yeah. 
But at the same time, you might have a society that has developed a way of, oh, well, we eat quartz crystal and we sprinkle (laughs) it everywhere. And that keeps the wave from hitting us, even though it's not a fixed point. But if they move wherever they they go, they carry it with them. So, again, don't really want quartz crystal. That seems a little little out of out of the theme of what we're doing. But so there's two things. Either the stalwarts have figured out a way to avoid adaption and being part of the wave. They're not being swept up. They're not part of the swell. And there's also a fixed point, like a natural breaker or a, a, a reef, whatever the this shifting wave is, it breaks around them. So everything around them changes. And maybe even they can watch it change, which would actually be really cool. Keep us sitting wow. on porches watching yep. the shift change similar to an aurora borealis. You know, you have this fluctuation and they just sit there and go, ah, look at the colors. And nope, they're cavemen now. They're, they're, they're unaffected. Yeah. Something, well, a couple of things that occurred to me. So just also, I'm just getting a cool visual in my head. It seems to me, yeah, you're right. It seems difficult that, that it would be very difficult or take a very long time to uh, come up with advanced technology um, in a world like this? Well, I guess unless you had uh, a place mapped out where you could make it work. Yeah. uh, And and had it protected. Or that it was already there before this happened. Right. Because remember... Breaking down time, too. Correct. We're saying this temporal didn't always be... It's because I've got this also this other vision in my head then of that. It's like if you have, say, this large spaceship that can come in and follow the wave and stay in the technological wave and that basically you're just waiting to attack the Amish folk. You just have to wait for the wave to come and then you fly along with it to get at the Amish castle (laughs) to a point where you can lay siege to it for like a couple of days or however long it is that your uh, your reality stays with them. Mm Well, and then you have to break there off. There could be airships, too. That Because I mean, a hot air balloon ought to work in almost any reality, except that if gravity is 30% higher. Well, yeah, and that whole or thing about hydrogen helium. Hydrogen helium, helium yeah. Uh, it could be. Uh, ooh, so it goes back to, does this world exist, and is there a history to it? What if we took one step further or, or took a step back into the history of it ah. and said, hey, what if this was sometime in, let's say, let's say 2013 is the control. Sometime in our future, a ship travels to another planet, doesn't realize that this shifting is going on. No cultures and societies had really existed. We colonize it. We land a whole bunch of spaceships and crafts on it. But these waves are having this drastic effect on the technology and the realities so that they have to spread all over the globe of this planet to try to find different things. And what we think is the span of eons and eons in history is really like, 100, 200, 300 years because societies fall and they grow because the reality keeps on shifting around it. So I kind of like that idea, the idea that this world is actually one that an outside force came to and then started having to deal with the shifts. So there's a point somewhere out beyond the orbit of this yes. where, well, where these realities where you could watch all this happen and then not have it happen to you. Yeah, potentially. Or... Because if an advanced civilization was advanced enough to make it to this planet, but not realize this was going on, maybe the changes are not detectable outside of the sphere. Maybe you have right. to only... So yeah. ships, if, if people come to colonize it, it, you know, whatever, let's just say sometime in the future, once they break a certain barrier, they right. are now affected by it. And that's what's happened is maybe new populations come, but whatever the shift is affects their way of viewing reality or affecting reality, and they just become part of the problem, not the solution. So it's not like an alien fleet is someone hovering about this planet getting ready to yeah. strike, but it's, it's insular. I mean, it's an entire planet. It could be a huge planet, too, but it, right. it exists within its own 
kind of insular dimensions. So a colony ship of some sort came, mm-hmm. a world yeah. colony ship, and, and, and it landed yeah. with all the attendant technology at the time. Yeah. And then, oh my, here comes a wave. Yeah. And ship doesn't work anymore. Doesn't work anymore. Um, Suddenly that laser gun you have in your hand is merely a club. Right. But, you yeah. know. It, it becomes this ancient artifact where suddenly you walk into a sphere where it does work again. This is a hundred years later, and suddenly, right. oh my god, this, my club is shooting lasers. Or, yeah. <laughs> right. Or yeah. You know, yeah. The way we're arguing this, we are arguing that it's merely technology that's happening. It's, well, it's, I think this is the thing is it could be a situation where you know people came on, they colonized, and uh, the waves started hitting, and they were like, okay, well things aren't working here anymore. We'll go to other places. And some folks would uh, follow the waves to try to keep their technology working. Others would try to just build up and try to restore what they're doing. Others might have found waves where something like uh, the the ability to extend your will over things works, and they have this thing that is perhaps not unlike magic. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's true, and I think it could be where, you know, any with any technology, sufficient technology, can be indistinguishable from indistinguishable, magic. Indistinguishable, yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of if it all having an almost technological answer, because magic is very hand-wavy, and unless we are specifically in a fantasy setting, I don't want the answer to be because magic, you know? That to me, <laughs> I either don't want to know what the answer is, or have something that that kind of falls into that aisle. We'll never find out. It just happens. Yeah. It just happens. Mm-hmm. I think what I would prefer is if a group of nomadic people suddenly is not going to, for instance, run into a dragon that could shoot laser beams and lightning bolts, no. and then like I don't want to get too high. Fa- I wouldn't want to get too high fantasy with it. But if it's a universal effect, something happens to everyone in it. They suddenly have to adapt to it. I think that would be really kind of fascinating. I think it would be interesting if it was something where, well, I mean, it's say it's magic, but they, the those who have the technology and book learning and all that, say, okay, this is a psychic phenomenon. Sure, that happens. Some people ha- develop pyrokinesis. Some people develop uh, telekinesis. That kind of thing. Ooh, and those would be and, really. And some be. of those people would be really desperate to stay in their spheres. Yeah, they would, because if they left, and you have this great story arc, we have a cliffhanger, and the wave, like you know, they're about to get killed, and the wave comes, and suddenly that their power works, but not the way they think it, you know, originally, and they can do yeah. X now. Uh, that, from a story perspective, that works really well, and yeah. it would make sense for nomadic communities to travel, and for stalwart communities to stay right where they were. Yeah, and it would make the you know life extended supervillain more and more desperate to stay because <laughs> yeah. the, you know he leaves his sphere and suddenly oh well you can't be that old out here oh yeah yeah I love yeah. the idea that time is moving at a different pace in certain areas where groups know like they have this memory about they've been there since the crash right the, the very first initial colonization the old ones have that memory because they've lived that long but they can never travel past that area to, yeah. to tell people about because if they do they'll die instantly so they've they found this <laughs> one island but they have to protect it from anyone coming in and taking it from them. So that's an area where you don't want to go unless you have a free pass because, man, these guys who understand how the technology works, these guys who understand all these horrible things are going to protect what's theirs. Or at the same coin, you have them like, I'm tired of living. I'm just going to step outside the barrier. And you just see them turn to dust and scatter away. Ah, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. So actually, it looks like we've got uh, some groups forming Oh, here. now that, another interesting... Oh. What if time flew bu- flowed backwards? So you go there so that you get younger and then step back into yours. 
and loop around. Uh, there could be something where uh, that that's like a fabled sort of yeah. fountain of youth type thing that folks yeah. are looking for, but it's actually oh. like a, a wave of youth that uh, people seek out, and perhaps some can find it and some can't. Yeah. Maybe it is yep. the rarest and most random of the waves. Now, we, we have to assume that there's some piece of human consciousness that is allowed to understand time that way, because I think it would go crazy if you lived backwards, but, you know. Yeah. And it, we are it, talking it is, about it is a roughly human. The storyline is following a, a roughly human group, yes? Are we, yeah, are we right. dealing with... I, I would think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, we are aliens on a planet, so... Right, right. I, I would like to think that these are human colonists. Yeah. yeah. But Agreed. what I'm saying is there's there may have been an indigenous race here. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. Okay, so maybe it's the indigenous race that lived there a long, long time ago. It's something they did that we don't understand that's yeah. causing maybe, one. The maybe they, they, yeah, they did something to destroy themselves, perhaps, and there are still ruins on the planet somewhere. And the ruins and, of the islands that, that, that yeah. keep, keep things from happening. Okay, yeah, maybe it's something from that original experiment that you can then use somehow to stabilize, to have those areas where the rules don't change. You can actually hold the rules in place yeah. as they wash around you. So, um, okay, so a ship came with a whole bunch of people on it. I would say multiple ships. Multiple ships? Multiple ships have decided that the planets go. So you have, you can have tension not only between the people who are part of one ship, but from a different ship, too. So from a story perspective, from a game perspective, however you want, there are other ships, there are other colonies that adds another area of mystery. So they, they could have landed on other continents. We have no idea if this is happening to them, but we also don't have a way of reaching them. Yeah, I would like to think that just for the purpose of what we're doing, that we follow the idea of a primary colony ship. Okay. And that then there were others that were secondary ships well, that might have maybe was, landed in other places. Maybe it was a big ship that had multiple landing crafts. That's what I was thinking. So, yeah, just say that they had out. a certain spot where they would drop off X number of people and then go to the next one, drop off X number of people, go to the next one, drop off X number of people. Oh, wow. Because they'd, they'd, already, <laughs> they'd already scanned the planet and said, okay, these Not areas realizing how horribly they were screwing them. <laughs> correct. And then what happens is an actual wave which didn't doesn't have the original wave that didn't have any consistency to the time manipulation that we were thinking of reacts to like the engine core, crashes the ship. Anyone still on the ship has the memory that they had, but everyone else on the planet, it's like as soon as the wave hit the ship's engine or an element in the ship, it just shattered the wave in different directions. And you got like a yellow and a blue and a green wave coming off. And those separate colonies were then struck by different realities like well, I think they were just basically they were accelerated. Yeah. And uh, so you have, you know, some. Yeah, OK, I see what you're saying, though. The idea that maybe are those uh, are those what you're suggesting is islands of stability or are those they could be just, or, or they could have been dropped off in an unstable location. They may have actually chosen a couple of stable ones, but at least the people on the ship still have memory of what it was and they may not be. You know what I mean? Because okay, they have so all maybe, this technology around them. They're in the ship. The other colonists are, when they are hit with their wave, they're like, wake up and are completely wiped of their, of certain memories. Who knows? Like, well, I think what you're, you're talking about here, all of these actions happening in the storyline, like first generation. But if we are looking at it as several generations past the initial landing, yeah. this would exist as myth to the people. So that way we don't have to worry about, this is something that could be uncovered. So we have sure. a history here, but if we started kind of in media ray with these colonists have been on the planet for a certain amount of time, though they don't realize how much time has passed, the folks who stayed, and you assume like the captains and the head of the command 
they stayed aboard the ship as it crashed, launching escape pods full of people before yeah. it crashes up and burns in the inner atmosphere. What those colonists don't realize is the initial cabin crew, they survived. And when they survived, something happened to them that allowed them to remember. But that when that first party of, say, the, of some red shirts left this one area they, and they died, they realized, well, we have to stay here. We can't go looking for anybody. Our hope is Correct. they come and find us. But over time, that hope of they'll find us has been, let's hope they don't find us because we understand what happened to us, but we don't understand what happened to them. Maybe maybe something horrible happened to the other colonists, and they now see everyone as an invader. You know, I really like the idea that maybe on the colony ship or wherever that, that landed, the, the core of it with the, the core crew, that that has had the least amount of time pass. Correct. And that everything else has been accelerated. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. So the original crew is still there. They're right. in slow uh, time. But it's, they're, it's yeah. It's 10 years to them, but it's been yeah, thousands, hundreds of years, it's been thousands a thousand of years for this for pocket, a hundred years for this pocket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And how did and they so advance that, from yeah, there? And so that's one of the dangers of exploration. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's, you could literally leave, and by the time that you got back to your own pocket, everybody you knew might be long dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that maybe it's when, when, when you talk about, I don't know, forgetting, I would see that in terms of just time is moving for you in a different way, so that it's not so much forgetting as that generations have passed by the time you get back. Right. <laughs> so wow. that it's, uh, it, it all becomes legend. I think that what we need to do here, we're now, uh, we need to start hammering some things into place here. I'm seeing, uh, I've got actually one, two, three, four, I've got four, possibly five groups here that I'm looking at that seem to uh, be emerging now. And I just want to run these by you and see if this is also what you're feeling and if we want to play with that. So here's what I'm looking at. We have the initial colonists, who perhaps they are in a place where maybe the ship doesn't work really well, but time has not passed hugely for them, necessarily. Mm -hmm. You have a group of individuals for whom they were able to retain their technology. Time has moved faster for them, so possibly their technology is now in advance of the ships, even. But it's still very localized, so they can't go much outside of their bubbles with it, Mm -hmm. per se, or they have to follow the wave to uh, be able to use it. So maybe you've got some tech people. Then maybe you've got some folks who wandered out and they developed more sort of these psychic abilities we were talking about that look mm. like magic. Uh, they might even have, a, I don't know, more of a, or I, I want to call it a, uh, what is the word, a, a sort of a philosophical or the- theological society, as it were, or something where maybe it's turned into something for them where they, uh, maybe it's been like a thousand years for them and they've just been developing the powers of their minds. Mm-hmm. It's totally maybe like sort of a, almost a medieval society or a, uh, basically a society run by a bunch of monks or something, something like that. <laughs> but anyway, there's more of the, the Psy folk. Mm-hmm. And then you will have maybe groups, pockets of people who have built up their civilizations to be able to withstand these different waves that come through where it doesn't matter to them. So these are more the Amish folk, essentially, as it were. People following the same sort of ways that Amish folk do. Mm-hmm. So they're not reliant overly on technology or overly on mental powers or what have you. They right. just rely on, on horses and things of that nature. Maybe that's where uh, it comes from the originally from the part of the ship where they were carrying all the wildlife. Mm-hmm. Well, so like they I were said, able to, they were originally able to drop a couple of zones, you know, a couple yeah, of, yeah. of two to 3,000 people, and they would have self-sustaining ability. Horses, yeah, exactly. dogs, cats. 
living to together. Grow. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know. And then a possible other side group is uh, it's not exactly a group, but you have had, if you have somewhere hints of this original alien civilization, this original civilization was on this planet. Maybe there are just a very few survivors living in that backwards running time zone that's moving around a lot, mm. perhaps. But that's just another little possibility. So if I um, if I understand it correctly, we have gone from it being rules of reality have changed to simply time is changing from zone to zone. Yes? Is that is that kind of what we're looking I at? I want to rules of reality as well because the time flow changes but then also remember some places the technology works really well, some places it doesn't work quite as well. Some places you can use psychic abilities which you can't in the other places. Right. But okay. are these is the pocket that has good psychic ever going to change where it may lose that? We were talking, remember, in terms of travelers and then people who are more sort of bulwarks mm-hmm. or uh, stalwart folk who stay in place, mm-hmm. who have discovered something that allows their reality to remain the same where they are. I would think that maybe so, for example, with these psychic abilities, there are certain places they've found they can stay in there all right. But then I think maybe the majority of others travel the world following their reality pockets, following the waves as they go. And maybe say, sometimes they wander into spots where they're more powerful and somewhere they're less powerful. I think if I had a preference, I think the stationary spots, oases are very rare. And, yeah. and it's, it's a kind yeah. of quest to find some stability for most people versus because then you start getting with these groups who are forming and you have a, a concrete sense of place. But what if these pockets are really small? So you can't have a huge development. So one of the things that you can't have is the growth of these giant cities because the technology that the sphere is small enough that it still limits it. So even if you have technology to begin with, as a technologically, quote unquote, advanced group progresses, if they don't have outside sources to help them, because between you and I, I live in a high tech society, but I couldn't tell you the first thing about creating microchips. You know, I couldn't build a cell phone. So all I would have is the technology that they currently have. They would be able to hold on to the technology they had, but it's going to break down over time. So perhaps we see that, and that kind of goes into the, the Mad Max that you were kind of mentioning that while they are holding on to some of that stuff, it becomes a little bit more makeshift. Right. Okay. Yeah, I I can totally see that. I have an epiphany. Here's what I'm thinking. Assume that the initial colony comes from Earth. Then we assume that they're going to be looking for an Earth-like planet. So we can make an assumption that this planet, to all intents and purposes, should very much seem like Earth. So it should have water, it should have mountains. The geography should, and this is from a storyteller's perspective, even a game writer's perspective, what is different about it is the shifting waves of technology and the slightly alien culture. You don't want to make too many differences. Mm -hmm. So if things are like, well, chlorophyll is red and the sky is orange, you know, the color can be a different palette, but the control and the laws of physics should have appeared to be about the same. Atmosphere should be about the same. Geography should be about the same. And if we start okay. from that for control, then it becomes a little bit easier to tell that story and to explain it to people who are being introduced to it. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I like that idea. That basically the idea is that it's Earth-like. So uh, should we just assume it has basically the same kind of environment and uh, range of environments that Earth has? Typically, it's, yeah. It's in the Goldilocks zone very comfortably in the same way that Earth is. All the math is very similar. <laughs> well, the math similar where where it is similar. 
Well, yeah, where the laws of reality haven't changed. Correct. The problem is when we sent probes out, you know, 50 years before our ship got, the colony ship got there, they landed on those islands that aren't affected by time. They went, wow, all these readings are fantastic. This is just like Earth 2, or, you know, in our case, Earth 19. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll land a ship. Oh, look at that. We just happened to, what are the chances it landed right in the correct spot to to completely mislead us? Yes, what what are the chances? What would also be interesting is if the people with technology try to orbit a satellite, maybe it strays into one of those areas suddenly where the technology doesn't work well and just, you know, plummets. Yeah, something that's, well, something's happened with the satellite. We're not sure. Right. So it would make orbiting a rocket very hard because if you suddenly exit normal time for slow time or exit high gravity for low gravity or rockets are delicate things. So mm-hmm. space travel is going to be out of these people's grasp. For a long time, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, and that may be part of the reason why the ship crashed in the mm-hmm. first place. Exactly. Is that, you well, know, you I, start getting into the atmosphere, you're like, ah! Well, I like to uh, <laughs> not think maybe, maybe how they traveled through space had some sort of reality warping. Is now amplified on <laughs> Maybe their warp core exploded essentially when it got close to the planet. Ah, they have okay. no, they have no way to to travel. You know, they have no way to either, to get off the planet. Either the, that, or it was a colony ship that really, literally, everybody was asleep, or or their, you know, their warp pulse drive, essentially, or whatever you want to call it, is no longer able to function because of the way that these waves occur on the planet. Right, and there are only a handful of people that actually understand that anyway, anyway, anymore. Yeah. So getting to that, let us briefly address each of these groups and uh, go from there. So first of all, I think do we want to start with the colony, the core oh, colony. The ship. The ship itself. Yeah. yeah. Do we want to start with that? Yeah. Sure. Uh, all right. It's a good base. So we are looking at as if the crash just happened or in their future from a setting perspective. I'd like to say from a setting perspective, we're looking at this as the – I think now is happening to them uh, – Say ten to twenty years later. Okay, but time has traveled, so some groups it, it it'll feel like much longer. Yeah, for the core crew, it's only been ten to twenty years. For everybody else, it's been longer. Sure. Someone just mentioned that um, the crew, the the passengers were essentially sleeping, and which is what something you would do on a trip. Yeah. They were jettisoned while they were still sleeping due to a problem. Um, yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so they're waking up, and if time passed, it could be a really long time before they actually woke up. Well, mm-hmm. from that to begin with, too. So they could be starting and, with a disadvantage. And, and, you know, something that I like is the idea that maybe even those who woke up in a zone where technology works really well still would not be able to contact the ship because their time zone is running faster. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I imagine communication between time zones is completely off. Yeah. Unless you yeah. discover technology, something physical, a communicator that could travel through the wave, actually work with the wave. It would yeah. travel mm-hmm. at the speed it's... of that, that actual shift. Communication travels at the speed of a letter carrier. But you would have uh, a universal type of science, a shift shift tech, right? Or wave tech. Yeah. That Ooh. would work. Or maybe, I like that. Well, I shift think they're trying tech. to develop that. I'd like wave. to think that maybe the now is occurring at the point where they're trying to work on that. But that maybe, I don't know if it's if it completely is reliable yet, but it's interesting. But first, let's deal with the colony yeah. ship, All right. the core crew colony ship. What sort of place did they land in? I like the idea of, because we're looking at them as being the ancient, almost an ancient group of higher minds. When we think about that, we usually think about the yogis sitting on top of the mountain. They have the answers. So I think they crash into a mountain, uh, someplace okay. where even though they have high technology, they're still maybe even living in a cave structure under the mountains underneath where the ship has actually crashed. So even getting to oh. them 
is a relatively difficult thing. To me, they should be living in the ship. The ship is their life. No, I agree. Uh, but I'm saying that the, yeah. ship is, the ship is maybe on top crash in the mountains. Like, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. there. It should be damaged enough where they're trying to repair it, right, so that they can escape, but damaged enough where they can't actually travel from sphere to sphere. Make it like the, the gods in Olympus. Like they're, they're in Nepal. Or... Yeah, yeah. Something, something where yeah. they're up high in elevation. It has a good story feel to it. I like that. They're living in the ship, which is basically crashed into the side of the mountain, and uh, they have access to the tunnels below, and they also have access to paths down the mountain, but the problem is, of course, you travel out too far and things start getting really weird. Yeah. And your Dick Tracy wristwatch doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. That leads me to the next question. So what kind of zone did they crash in? It's one where time is moving slowly. What, uh, well, slowly what compared technology? to everybody else. Correct. Yeah. How is their technology handling it? Is it functional here, or is it partially functional, or how is it? I think it's fully functional. Yeah, like, I think their technology exists at the level it was when they crashed. They're not going to get any better technology because we as a society develop by communication outside of our own realm, our own understanding. But their technology is as good as they were the moment they crashed, except it's just broken. So they're spending all this time trying to repair it. Okay. Yeah. Right. So all the basic things. So let's say that that zone is essentially, uh, it's it's very basic, same as kind of we have on Earth. Yeah. As far as you know, laws of physics and laws of reality. Mm -hmm. So that works. Okay. So do we want to define anything else about this core crew? the ship, the mountainous area, anything else we wanted to find about them? As a crew, as the core crew, they would be very military in, in order. And so I think they would still follow like a chain of command, captain still in charge, da-da-da-da, okay. that sort of thing. So they have a very militaristic style of government. All right. Because 10 years, you're going to have people that like want to do stuff differently or, you know, things like that. Break the norm. I'm in agreement, but I think that if we are talking about 20 years past that, that we have mm -hmm. had that split. So while the people realize they have to live in that same area, we'll have two distinct factions who maybe have mm. the same purposes, but just want different ways of doing it. Just so from a story perspective, we can have a little bit of tension. Because if everyone's in agreement and all following the same leader, the leader's getting older. So maybe some of those young ensigns are getting a chance. They've moved up in the ranks. Some of the other ones have retired. Yeah. You know, maybe the science officer is, has moved on and is now helping the younger science people to, well, they may have explored that area just about as much as they can. You know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yep. Um, and so maybe they're etching to go out. Maybe they're, the technology is being, maybe we don't want to leave the planet. Maybe we can't do that. But what we can do is leave this zone. Maybe one group wants to leave the planet and find everyone else. And one group wants to leave the zone and find everyone else. And so maybe that's where there's a, a, a kind of a tension shift. Yeah. Okay. I'm getting the impression that the crew is perhaps not going to be big enough that we need these to be quote-unquote named factions, but they're just factions within the people that are there. Sure, yeah. They don't have to have t-shirts, you know? Yeah, oh, exactly. you're blue, people. Uh, we're not going to get along with you. Yeah. But they represent probably all of the races or all the peoples that were jettisoned to the oh, other sure. pieces of the world. Yeah. Oh, they've all got yeah. family members who are in those tubes right. sleeping, and, and that's correct. And yeah. they're right. and, and that's, to find them. So right. that core group that had like major family ties could be the ones that split off from ones that were just single and yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Kind of had to just sort of bond together and make their own family yeah. type thing or a family I, clan yep, thing. Yeah, 
Because right. I could see where the guy or the or the woman who's wanting to reunite with this fa- or find their family that was jettisoned is just like I'm not listening to you. I'm going out there. I'm going to find yeah. them. My wife and, was and out would, there. Yeah, and yeah, and he'd find he or she would find other people of like mind and say, "We got to get together. Don't stay here with these guys. Let's figure out how to get out." And they go out and they become more of these patchwork Mad Max type traveler folk. How big a group do we want this to be? I, I'm kind of imagining about the size of a small village. I was going to well, say 100 people. Yeah. Does 100 people sound good? Yep, that works. Can I, can I make a suggestion on this, too? If you are traveling interplanetary space, unless we have you know FTL, faster than light stuff, you would imagine that maybe every so many months, that group of 100 people would probably phase out and let another group take over. So Correct. right as they're about to, you know, maybe in the last year of this one group, maybe a new group had just come in right as they're, so they, they weren't even assured, yeah. assured of what's going on. So, oh, great. So the wet behind the ears folks are the ones yeah. who are in charge. And the, the that's awesome. Let us find a happy medium here. I okay. think that what we'll want to do is perhaps name whoever is the acting commander at this point. Sure. Mm-hmm. That can be someone who has the rank of captain at this point, but maybe it's... I like to think something happened to the previous captain. So this is actually someone who was a first officer who has assumed the the role. I don't know why I like that idea. Maybe um, he went down and maybe he died with the ship. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Or ended up in a different place. That's fine. Well, I don't know. The captain would want to be on deck for the actual landing, so that's a good question. But we'll uh, we'll play with that. But no. let's say that there is, there is a person who is perhaps a captain of some kind who is in charge of them. Okay, so I think we've got a good kind of handle on this. I think we're looking at people who are essentially Star Trek level technology mm-hmm. crashed and so now it's, you know, whatever they have left that they're working on. Is that good? Do we want to develop that any further or should we move on to the next group? Moving on. I, yeah, moving on. Okay. So, uh, I think we should have a group that formed out of an oasis where the technology worked well or even better than it had previously. And so they actually have more advanced technology by this point. Ooh. Do we like this idea? Okay, well, sure. they only have... To they represent started. the quote-unquote the techies, the people for whom things kept working. I like the idea of the technology working, but I'm not so sure about advancing the technology past the point they were at before, but they maintained the technology better than the other groups being yeah. the technology. Well, let's ask then, in terms of advancement, just to figure that out, how much time do we want to have passed for them? Oh, Ooh, that's cool. When I was saying they might have advanced better, it would largely be a function of uh, how much time has passed. It's been more than 20 years, probably. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, I would say, so say in the terms of it, hundreds. It, yeah, it could be hundreds of years. That'd be fine. How, how, how long do we want to say has passed? Maybe a couple hundred years, like 500 years, or... Ooh, too many. I think back it off, like... 200 years. 200, yep. 200, yeah. Yeah. Over, under, over, under. Okay. Um, <laughs> 200's fine. Yeah. We want to say, like, 200 years has passed for them? That works. Sure, yeah. Okay. But their technology has not faltered. They've been able to maintain it to the exact spec that it started at 200 years prior. So my assumption is that they ended up in an oasis, one of these oases, or these rare oases, where they're able to make this work. What is this place like that they ended up in and where they are now, where they rule now? What's it like? I think they have basically maximized the efficiency of that island. They've put their Ooh. their technology stamp on it. But the problem is they're going to get stagnant after a while because you can't explore past, you know, like they're going to be very micro-focused. Are we saying it's a literal island? No, no. What I'm saying, island, a temporal island. Temporal island. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. They can't leave without losing their technology. They'll become very protective of that technology. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. And maybe an air of superiority. What if we're looking at a group that is focusing purely on their science? So they become almost 
say Vulcan-like. I don't know that it's just in that their technology has reached a, a, a pretty. I, again, I'm not actually that familiar with Star Trek, so I don't know if that's a, a correct description. Um, but the technology has become a, a very big thing. Maybe kind of almost like Kryptonians, uh, where it's like the science is their religion, Ooh. and uh, they've they've gone into hyper science at this point. So it's they don't actually have a religion per se, but it's uh, it, it's it's intertwined. It's, it's all uh, it's, if you believe in in science powerfully enough that it is the answer, then I like that. I like that comparison. Um, if you lived in that society, there'd be two things you'd have to worry about. One is getting your technology advanced enough that you could extend your influence past that area that you're in. And mm-hmm. two, a fear that if you leave that area, you would lose everything that you've gained. So controlling and xenophobic, basically, yeah. is what we're looking at. Wow. Yeah. They have their own idea of superiority, and then they're building up and up and up. But they're not building sideways, because they can't. Mm-hmm. But, so uh, they have skyscrapers and... Maybe. Well, where are they and what is their technology like? What's it like? I would say that whatever their starting point was, if you can't get any outside influence, any advances would be decreased by a, like a factor of 10. So if we say they've been 200 years in the future, they're really only 20 years in the future technology-wise, but that still makes them think about how far we've come in 20 years. Yeah. Right. Um, they are not super technologically advanced. From- but, you know, they have functioning AI, for goodness sake. Yeah. Yes. Whatever technology they started with, they have made it better, yeah, but, but it has a limited amount of it. What materials are around for them to do that, is what we're saying. It, are they in Where a, are they? Are they in a nice temporal area that has access to silicon and, you know... But we're not so far off from matter reconfiguration either, so... Maybe the section that landed there, through happy coincidence, was the section that had the 3D printers. Yeah. Uh, Jim, that's exactly what I was just thinking. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> they had the potential of being smart enough to figure it out, but they also had the happenstance that they had some of the equipment that would move them along, whereas the other colonies did not. I really like that idea. They maybe even had the mining equipment, and their technology flourished because of a simple engineering feat where they actually had the yeah. ability to successfully create the resources yeah. while everyone else yeah. was having to reinvent the wheel. As it happens, that was where the R&D hub landed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or the manufacturing hub, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. The engineering <laughs> section. <laughs> The whole thing just kind so of So Scotty just house. dropped in there, yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and 200 years later, so they could have skyscrapers and what have you by this point. They could synthesize what they need. Yeah. Uh, if we assume they can actually make whatever they need practically out of thin air. Can I add? But they just can't but carry still, it beyond They still the, can't the make borders. a car and they still can't make a... Well, what? they can, but they know they can't go beyond the barriers. Yeah. So it's like they can make vehicles. But once they get beyond the edge of their oasis, then the vehicles don't work so well now anymore. Now, how wide are, are, is this oasis, then? I guess that's... There you go. Is it, is it a 100-mile circle? Does it vary? This is a good question. Is it variable? And so, therefore... You know, I think it you should be oval. <laughs> Well, it, it could be over. It might be. It might be like a, a drop. John, you're the geography guy. Uh, what if we said, in comparison to the rest of the world, it was comparatively the size of, say, England? All right. All right. Which, which, Whoa. which has, uh, and it might not be that big. If our planet's really a relatively small planet, that ratio, from ratio wise, England wouldn't be that, as big as it is. But how wide is England? If I wanted to drive, is it two hundred across it in a day? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so 
you know, would it be from their technology standpoint, a day in one direction, or would it be smaller than that? I like that, a day in one direction. Or right. would it be as big as, say, London, which is a metropolis, but mm-hmm. if you lived in England, you never have to leave England, let's face it. You could be pretty happy in something that big, so that doesn't put the stress on you. But something well, like London, eventually your your resources are going to run out, which makes them want to leave. It gives them a clock. Their scientific minds say, at this rate... Unless we do something, if we figure out a way to go past our surroundings, we are going to run out. So they, they're yeah, the only going to run out of space. They're the only ones who are smart enough to recognize a time clock. And so there's there is there is for them an actual course that they have yeah. to run. They're going to have to expand at some point. England, by the way, just looking it up, is at its uh, largest points, longest and widest points would be 400 miles by 300 miles. The area of England is uh, 50,362 square miles, about that of New York State. I would say two thirds that size, around 200 miles compared to a planet. That's right. not much. But you can have civilizations rise and fall in that space and not be that big of a deal. But as right. they grow in width and spread out, their population is going to increase. By the way, these guys, they're going to concentrate a lot of population. They're, yeah. They're, yeah. In fact, genetic experiments would not be at all surprised if they were starting to work on uh, breeding programs. But essentially, they would be doing that, doing whatever they need to to survive. Mm-hmm. All right. They might even be doing things like trying to lengthen lifespan but decrease population. So we have basically this place with cities, one major city and a few minor cities, I would say. So we're talking like Iceland there. or something like that. Yeah, kind of. Is it an island or is it... Sure. What, what is We could do that. I think it's I, on the coast at nothing else. Yeah. But if, All right. If we put them on the coast, it takes away that, uh, that need, need to expand. It's on a temporal island. Let's make it landlocked because it, it would be much cooler to have a totally disparate society that is on a coast because then they're going to, in comparison, going to be a lot different from, from this group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so if they're landlocked, let's say that they are what in, surrounded by desert or uh, surrounded by well, mountains. You could or... say desert on one side, mountains on the south, and kind of open jungle. I mean, yeah, you could have Colorado or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. <clears throat> kind of that kind of surrounded. What kind of geography allows for good resources? Access to minerals and access to mm-hmm. natural, yeah. you know, like woods and things like that. So Maybe it's like eastern California, inland California. But there you've got redwoods and stuff, but then you, as you get further, well, you get into desert. north. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> desert. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. So, the minute yeah. you head out of Los Angeles, you're in a desert. <laughs> uh, northeastern. <laughs> but Welcome yeah, to uh, 29 uh, Palms. Bye-bye. That works. So something like that, maybe where there's there's enough rich materials, but they're fairly high up and they're away from the coast. Yeah. And if you go too far out, then you start getting into deserts and mountainous areas. And then once you actually get to a point where you're starting to head towards something that might be a coast, I your like, vehicle stops working. I like the thought that yeah, that they have some peak, very yeah. tall peak in the area. Maybe they put an observatory up there. Hey, that, that's cool. So they can see the ocean, you know, a hundred miles away, but it's in a t- different time zone. That'd be great if they actually they have the telescope out and they're watching and the ocean is moving really fast. Right, right. <laughs> is there anything else we would like to define about these? Anything about their society or uh, what they're like? Well, they're very scientific, so they'd have, what, almost no emotion. We could say that, yeah. We could say that they've started breeding oh, some of the more extreme emotions out. Yeah, they're still humans. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you're traveling from one zone to another, you want the discovery, if you've never encountered them, discovery them that they feel fairly alien. Oh, yeah. Like, 
they only look human, basically. <laughs> okay. And, yeah. and, and maybe they're working on that. Maybe because they can't move their technology out, they've moved the technology inward. They are trying to transcend their mortal form. Maybe they have started working on themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they'd have prosthetic things available. You know, they could have direct neural interfaces at this point. And they could effectively communicate in a way that we would think of as telepathically, but it's not really. It's Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which means they have the internet, which means they have cat videos. Uh, yes! <laughs> <laughs> which, right. which they have gotten rid of all emotions except for the appreciation of a funny cat video. Oh, yeah. See, I think they would have cultivated things that would be considered positive emotions that are helpful to production. So is there anything else about the tech folk we wanted to... I mean, do they have a hierarchy that we need to I, to address? I or? see them working like on councils, you know, or, or working off of a council type, elected leaders, that sort of thing, with a large okay. population. Yeah, yeah. If you want to bring more of the scientific method into it, it could be like a college. The universities. <laughs> yeah, oh, I like yeah, that. It kind of leads them sort of a, uh, we have to, you know, it's like project proposals, essentially. <laughs> becoming, you're getting research grants and things of that nature. Your, how about your place in the society is based on how productive you have been in the society's benefit? Um, so if you have these ideas that have been utilized, then of course you should be put in charge because you're the one who knows how that works. Whereas the low-level scientists who understand the basic mechanics of it help maintain the society. What is it? Technogarchy? Technoarchy, um, well, meritocracy. So I guess you probably have like a board, essentially, that yeah, uh, right. decides things. That's, sort of an academic board. That seems fairly logical. Yep. Okay. Or so is that it a works? corporation? A corporate board? Well, it's, it's something, I, well, I think the lines blur at this point. I think you're probably past money. At yeah, this there, point I, I think it. I think it'd be slightly more academic than corporate, but there could be influences if things if things go where they want to. They could get more corporate as time goes on. It just depends. But that works. Okay, I think we've got a decent amount there. Shall we move on to the next group? Why not? Yeah. Okay. These would be if we wanted the people who uh, wandered out into areas and started doing things that looked like magic, but it was more sort of really psychic powers become possible mm-hmm. in these places, and they can do these things. We're talking about. Maybe things run ruled by ascetic monks or something like that. Or uh, these are more nomadic, and they don't they don't gather in large groups. Correct? They could be. We haven't really decided yet, so we need to hammer that out. To address this as far as a time issue, let's mm-hmm. say that these groups of people have wandered into zones where there are many, many, many generations. No member of that group is less than three generations past the original party, which means that they're becoming maybe they're almost evolving to what a natural state that you would exist on the planet. They're almost becoming natives themselves. I'd be willing to drop them to like, say, you know, they've been like a thousand years. Oh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where the idea of the ship, that's just a myth. Any of the nomadic people, the idea of their origin has fallen into the idea of myth. Do we want to make these sci folk primarily nomads, or do they have an, an oasis that they well, I uh, gather they, about? They would have to have an oasis, either that or they're following their psychic. Maybe they have an oasis, but it's pretty small, and then a bunch of them also go out on these pilgrimages where they're following the wave. What if they are kind of like butterflies with a migration, except they're following the wave, and so it's not the same pattern back and forth generation after generation. It shifts, but because of their psychic abilities, they can detect the absence of the wave, which means oases. They can find places that the shift doesn't exist, Uh but they're going to be relatively small places where you can stay in them for, you know, a group of 100, no more than 100 people for a short period of time, 
and then they move on. So mm-hmm. they'll, like they'll leave behind artifacts, but they're kind of in tune with the natural, almost like heartbeat or breath of the planet, the shift. Very cool. Do, do these have like a central kind of hub that they go to, like one particular oasis, or are they looking for one? I can see a group that has shown up in the oasis earlier have formed kind of like tent societies, like a bazaar, you know, where you have people uh-huh. moving through and there's yeah. trade, you get resupplied there. But because people have moved there, the people who are there aren't going anywhere. So from a story perspective, either you're one of the businessmen that have set up shop or you're traveling through it. Mm-hmm. So yes, there are oases, but they're cramped. The only way you're going to get your own tent is if you're next in line and the other group person dies, you know, that kind <laughs> yeah. of a thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's, Maybe there's not a whole lot of staying in one spot unless you're the merchant. Maybe there are like legends of some sort of place they can call their own. And maybe that's actually developed from legends of the ship. Mm-hmm. Maybe the yeah. ship has put out a homing beacon and the homing beacon will interfere with that psychic. They're just it's just on the far side of the planet. So the shift tech might have been created and it's homing people to various areas. But the pattern of the beacon changes in between the time frames. So it really what they're doing is they're scattering people over the place because they think they're heading in one direction, but the shifts, the waves are actually moving them in different. So yeah. they're trying to get home, but home, that's almost keeps an impossibility. Moving. Yeah, keeps it keeps moving. moving. Yeah. They're chasing <laughs> phantoms. Yeah. Right. It oh, theoretically that's... keeps moving, really. Right. <laughs> so they're trying to discern the true pattern. Yes. Yeah. Maybe they're attempting to figure out the weave, like they're trying to figure out how it's all knotted together. Yeah. And it's not. There isn't technically a pattern that they can follow, but why not try it? Because as far as they're concerned, the myth tells them that they need to. They're, right. They're... They think they have the pattern, but yes. they, right. But they don't. Yeah. Are they? Yeah. Are they working on it? And you know, there could be schisms where they're, you know, they they're fine. Oh wait, the pattern's over here. So what sort of area do these travel in? I know that it's going to be varied, but they're... what are their homelands like? By homeland, I mean just place where they travel. The bazaar. I I assume. They're, no, I mean they're nomadic. The, so I think the terrain. I think what we're describing here is everybody else. So you know, you describe that the larger oases, the uh, larger groups, and then everyone else is probably these fairly nomadic peoples. Well, remember, we're talking here specifically about these uh, people with the psychic abilities. Right. So I don't know that everyone who is a nomad would have that. Well... Um, They would be following the wave in which those psychic abilities are possible. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, there's some argument to be made with saying, what if the general population, as they become more and more native to this planet... Maybe that is the main population. Maybe that's what they pick it up. And it's the bloodlines that have a more powerful in touch with the planet have greater psychic powers. And maybe that's what you're looking at. Maybe everyone who who stays outside of those temporal kind of islands, they don't develop that. They're essentially resisting the flow of the shift. So just to be clear here, are you saying that everyone who's outside of an oasis will develop psychic abilities? It has the possibility, at any rate. Yeah, it has the possibility to do so. We see what I, what I'm sort of thinking is that I'd like to give them as a specific group just so that there is balance. Okay. Right. Balance. Because otherwise it would be too easy, I think, to tempt people out of their islands. But if you leave your island, their oases. you could potentially die because time moves differently, right? Well, right. yeah, potentially. But at the same time, if you make something sound good enough, people are going to go check it out and then they're going to find out they can do that. Or they're going to die because they can't do it. Right, because well, we're talking people, we're talking you develop these powers the longer you are the generationally wise, you further you are away from the initial crash site, right? So if you're like second generation crash, you're not getting it. Eighth generation, potentially. And maybe, maybe these people that you have the psychic powers, they found a pocket where time has moved super fast 
And they've been here for a while to the point where they are similar to our technological friends, but they have created these monasteries where they're essentially live and dying, live and dying. And, and as they move along, yeah. they are becoming more in tune with, with the ship. With, Maybe with that's, this planet. Yeah. With the planet. So my thought was that in these waves and in these pockets where time moves fast, mm-hmm. really fast, you have the potential to develop these abilities. Perhaps it's because you're getting in tune with the planet. Correct. And so that you're, you know, you're, you're able to develop that over time. And I kind of like that. I don't think that's going to be everybody that's out in the world. I gotcha. Because then you also have folks that essentially are like this other group that we're going to get to are the quote unquote, the Amish <laughs> that we've been talking about. Right. They've set up their society so that they can survive when the waves go over them. Say there's 12 of these pockets that have the hyperactive time flow psychic ability. They're not going to be in one specific area. They're going to be spread across the planet. And the mm-hmm. people that yeah. use them or, or travel between them have done so by riding those temporal shifts and, yes. well, and they, knows they, they're exactly where the they're going to go. Yeah. Yes. So now there's 12, what, 12, 10 square mile zones all across the planet. Does right. That make yeah. Sense? Basically, those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. that makes total sense to me. That's what I. That was and kind of what I was. And they would be thinking. so secluded. So one would be like, well, like in the side of a mountain, yeah. kind of out where they'd be in the cliffs, like cliff dwellers. The other one's going to be in ancient abandoned pyramids from the original aliens. The original inhabitants. inhabitants. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those yeah. could be the zones. Okay. So they're actually. Uh, oh yeah. Maybe where they're used to. Maybe they get closer to the older population centers. Is that correct. what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking that the aliens might have some sort of. Well, they do infiltration they, have, into these kind of psychic groups. The the magic. I, I, we keep calling them psychics, and that always makes me think of people who can. But we're actually talking about magic. We're talking about. Uh, I, I think basically we're talking about uh, control over. We're talk, we're, I think we're talking about element benders in the anime sense. Right. Perhaps I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we want people that can move things with their mind or talk without moving their lips. Correct. Telepathic. Yeah. Psychic. That sort of thing. Well, you'll also have people who can do things that are like throwing fireballs because they're pyrokinetic. Oh, I, I, I don't think I was envisioning quite that level of uh, yeah, cartoon badassery as, as I think you were. Yeah. Uh, so let me, let me ask uh, you this, just as a base question. If we say that these pockets of these, these total super badasses exist, could the potential for having these powers develop in everybody who's been on the planet long enough or a generation, but these guys have been here the longest or have been exposed to the most? Like, it's I think unlocking that human or slash alien potential. So it's not saying that everyone can do this, but everyone could do this if they were to stay in this place long enough and have children who stay in this place long enough. And is that okay, or is that anathema to what you're thinking? Uh, it's not anathema to what I'm thinking, necessarily. It's just I wanted to make it so that the process of becoming one of those is difficult enough that they don't take over. Ah, oh, gotcha. But they don't, their numbers don't swell, and they end up taking over the world. Okay, Exactly. Here, here's right. what I'm saying. The ability to become one of these is not something you can do in a lifetime. It's about how long your bloodline has been on the planet. So these monasteries could almost be like they've found this oasis where the time has moved very fast. They've had generation upon generation upon generation where they have essentially been exposed to the radiation or the aura or the whatever you have you, the heart of this planet. 
and they have reached an evolution. But they're not the same age as everybody else. They're guys who are like fifteenth generation. So you Correct. know, if we're looking yeah. if we're looking at the planet based off of the people who landed on the ship, they're first generation. The people in the science, they might be fifth generation. These nomads might be eighteenth generation, and these guys who are in the monasteries who have they might be twenty fifth to fortieth generation. Ah, okay. So Everyone who's been on the planet has this potential. So if we wanted to, say, do a story, if I want to take this world and go, all right, it's a million years into the future, people would have evolved in this sense because there's there's a logic and there's a, a pattern as to why they've moved forward like that. Yeah, I can go with that. I can go and with that. And I'm not pushing that agenda. I'm just saying, if there's a reason these guys have such power, what is it? And if it's because they've had exposure to the planet, that would the accelerated timeline would say... Yes, their accelerated timeline means their bloodline has been here longer, which means that the potential does exist in everybody else, but just hasn't mm-hmm. hasn't yeah. kind of blossomed yet. Yeah, we could do that. I, I don't see that as a problem. I was just trying to tie it into the rules of reality changing when you're in a different place. I see what you're saying. Gotcha. So it would be stripped away from you as you walked into the... See, that's what I was thinking, okay. that if you go into a more technological area, then you're less able to do it. Correct. Okay. You're reduced cool. down to just talking without moving your mouth. You know, you're reduced to Perhaps. ESP. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you're you're severely hampered. Mm-hmm. So, Jim, give us uh, examples that, me. that you see. You're envisioning this as, as far as this, these powers are concerned. Well, I, I was thinking in terms of things that look like magic. So, ah. the ability to uh, throw fireballs and lightning bolts and what have you, but also the ability to to hover and fly about if you need to be. Uh, but that's in the extent of the oldest masters. Well, yeah, I would the monks. Say. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the, pretty... the ones in the monasteries. Yeah, they... and so you don't see them that often. Mm-hmm. What else do we want to define about these folks with these psychic abilities or what have you? I think they've actually moved away from, like, they're not really less human, but their features are more like... The native inhabitants? Yeah. What they were originally. The native inhabitants, yeah. So So, so what are they moving toward? What do they kind of look more like? They lost all body hair? I was going to (laughs) say lack of body hair, which which means they wouldn't be able to hear, which would help develop that psychic powers. Like their ears have gone. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Lack of body hair means they can't hear? (laughs) If you were to lose the hair inside your ears that move and vibrate, you would have less hearing because part of that is ah, okay. I'm not saying I'm not saying that if I had a magical spell that got rid of all your hair. I'm worried now because it's like if I shave my beard, I'm going to go deaf. That bothers me. No, no, but I start, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's not that's not how our anatomy works, but it, it does sort of. Now, the idea is, do they want to be so physically different that people recognize them as being such and either hate them or love them? Or do they have the ability to cloud men's minds so they appear normal? Or are they more or less the same as you and I, except that there is one or two little things that make them... So, for instance, jumping to a different story, the Fremen, right? They've been on Arrakis for so long that they have those eyes. That was something I was I, I had in mind, kind of, when I was thinking about this. Mm. That it's a similar effect, maybe. Not that their eyes change per se, or maybe they do a little bit. The but I would say that it looks of, like uh, the constant chasing of the temporal is causing them to do stuff. The way I would envision it is that they look very similar to regular humans, but maybe they just have less hair. Perhaps most of them are bald, that kind of thing. There you go. Something like that, maybe. Where they've started drifting, but they haven't drifted quite to the point that they look like the... uh, And I don't think they're going to be able to look totally like the original inhabitants. Okay. Because that's completely alien species, but... Maybe some of these guys have infiltrated the guys with the DNA technology and trying to splice in alien technology into their... And alienness into themselves. 
Maybe. Or maybe there's some of them have been captured and they're you know, you can do any number of plot lines with it. Well let me ask, is there anything else that we wanted to find about these before we move on? I'm thinking we should just leave them as is and let people develop them. Yeah, I, I like the idea of their traveling around. Yep. So this one thing that, that I just want to address mm-hmm. has to do with the whole dying when you leave your time frame thing. And I want to make sure I have a good handle on this. Because <laughs> Something that I think is going to be important for this as a setting that is functional will be the ability of these groups to interact with each other. Correct. Yeah, I I agree. If we have a a field where time does move faster, that's one thing, but there are different zones. I think what we can do is have the temporal shift or this wave as it appears, what, red in the sky, you know not to leave your zone because that will cause, you know, the death zone. But Nine times out of ten, it's blue, something like that, where it cascades blue against the zone that you're in. But when it cascades red, you don't leave. And not every space is going to be covered with red. It could be red one over here. It could be red several years later. I just want to see if I understand this correctly. So what you're saying is then that it's like when you're detecting a very fast-moving zone around that is coming up and moving around you, where the adjustment to that time period would be dangerous to you. Mm Mm-hmm. If you actually walked out into it, so it'd be kind of what, like you, you would go out and you would age very rapidly. Mm-hmm. Well, but, kind of but wouldn't it also be, I mean, we're talking about people that have developed mind over matter abilities. If they leave that zone where that ability actually exists, then even though they have the will to maintain their existence over millennia or whatever, suddenly it can't do that anymore. A happy medium here, perhaps, and this is just a suggestion, let me know what you think, is that you have these different waves, and we were talking about them in terms of colors. I assume you were talking about in terms of what you see on your detection equipment or in your mind or what have you. Mm -hmm. The idea that some of the waves that come through, perhaps the more rapidly traveling ones, that come in through that 10% of the time, when they go past, they're at such a different rate from everything else that when you step out into them, it is lethal to you. Yes. And I would recommend that that be regardless of where you're from. Oh, yeah, definitely. With that same mode of thought, there could potentially be temporal oases that from the outside appear to be death zones. But what is really happening, ooh, ooh, wait a second. Okay, here, I have a thought. It, it could be what's really happening is when you walk into it, you see these people get destroyed because time moves at a different pace. It could be that our main command ship is actually behind one of these zones and you can't go out or in because that speeds up the time. They want to be able to travel out. Time is moving yeah. at a regular pace for them, but that regular pace is so dramatically different for everybody else that going through that wall is death. They'll mm-hmm. either age or be slowed at such a extent. You can't communicate between it. So they have these pockets where anything could be happening on the other side, but the, just the mere transference from one area to the other mm-hmm. is what causes uh, yeah. a death. But it isn't like that with everything. The, no, the, it's... It's a rarity that's happening. It just yeah. so happens that, you know, of course, home base it's, is behind one of those. Right. But yeah, So that's the hardest to get to, but it is perhaps possible. Right, yeah. but it's visually there. It's like, oh... I know something's wrong. You know, it's yeah. not like you're just going to ho-hum, just wander into it. You know, <laughs> you can, like, oops, you can communicate there goes my arm. Through, what the hell? You communicate you, through them with, with them the, through semaphore, but that's about it. You have the, <laughs> the Doppler effect thing. 
what if the longer your bloodline has been on the planet, the more easily you can recognize it? So the people who are still only, it's only been 20 years, they just see it as something that happens. The technology guys, they have created a technological way of sensing it with the, their technology. But the, yeah. the nomads who have been through it, they have, quote unquote, magics that can tell them. So it might not be always yeah. a spectral change like colors, but it's a way of sensing it. So the, the perception of it is based yeah. about your exposure to it. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking. Yeah. That maybe, And it may be possible that if some of the folks from the monasteries ever venture out, those very few people, maybe they can figure out a way through. But it's, it's going to be hard. I, me, I think they have an all pass. <laughs> Almost. Well, it's because they're in the the zone that's they're natively in zones that are moving the fastest. Oh yeah. Uh, well, not the fast, but you know it, the fastest that that people are tending to live in. Correct. So they'd have the best chance of getting across just mm-hmm. by themselves. It's like watching those uh, old Sid Meier sim life games where you speed up the generations mm-hmm. so quickly that you yeah. can see your squirrel population become carnivorous squirrels and then eat everything else in a matter of seconds, and then it evolves to change something else. So yeah. If we were to pan out and look at this planet as a whole, populations would be rising and falling in these little pockets while they slowly moving like a stream and somewhere else where they'd be standing still in other ones. Mm-hmm. Nice. So I think we can now move on to, uh, finally, we had this thought that there might be folks, I've been sort of calling them uh, jokingly the Amish, but folks who have found places perhaps out of the way of the death waves, but where waves still come. Mm-hmm. And certain things work sometimes and other things don't work other times. But they've gone to a very basic level of technology that will work in most places. Mm -hmm. They have livestock and what have you. Do we want to have colonies of these people around and do we want a large number of them? How many of these types do we want? And do we want to define anything about them, I guess, beyond what we already have? I think it'd be less population than the tech people, but in a larger area. Like their zone is like, well, they don't have a zone. They just have other zones. I'm kind of viewing that they have like farms. They have certain right. areas where that they've set up. Mm-hmm. These are the people out in the countryside that you can find, essentially the outsider type dweller folk who have set up a place for themselves. But how do they? And when the rules change, it doesn't matter too much because if you see them today or if you see them 200 years from now, their technology will be the same. And yeah. So the Mad Maxes leave them alone because they have no tech. Probably. They have no yeah. well, they'd have very little. Yeah. So I mean, they get raided for food and such. So maybe they have. <laughs> You know, measures that they take to try to protect themselves. But yeah. for the most part, yeah. They well, don't, when we say don't Amish, have a lot we of... don't necessarily mean that they won't fight back. We're, yeah. we're talking yeah. about Amish and technology level. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, I mean, it's... Call them, say, the beach, all right? Because the beach is where the the waves crash into, right? So they're the shore. The waves, ah, yeah. the waves wash against them and does its, quote-unquote, damage, but they don't move from it. So if you have a horse and a, a basic wheel, time is not going to affect the wheel unless the wheel is made of wood and the wood rot. Mm. So whatever's happening, they have figured a level of technology, a base level of technology that they don't have to worry about suddenly breaking down or being raised up. And that's to their advantage because what they've created and they can live anywhere, essentially, other than these fast moving death zones, because they're just constantly adapting with whatever changes occur. And that makes them pretty wily characters. So if you're in an area and you have high technology, and you try to invade them, it could very well be in seconds later or hours later or days later, you won't be able to hold that because a different wave has come by. Their technology is the same. It's still working. Bows and arrows, for instance, are always going to work in this. Whereas... Uh, <laughs> right. Swords never yeah, run out yeah. of ammunition. Exactly. Yep. Pitchforks don't either. Nice. And it's like they're the... Uh, I'm trying to think of the mathematical term, like the mode or the average, you know, like... Yeah. 
The mean? The mean, yeah. <laughs> right. No matter what happens, they kind of stay the same. Okay. And I like that idea. Is there anything in particular else we want to develop about them? I think we're pretty good, actually, with them, because it's, well, I don't think we need a lot. No, Everyone, I, yeah. All right. They all they wear hats. And they don't, they all wear hats. They don't take <laughs> sides in anybody else's fight. Oh, yeah, they're totally neutral. <laughs> they're neutral. You know, that, that makes total sense, <laughs> they're, too. They're they neutral, are Switzerland. But they will defend themselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because they're not going anywhere else. So it's like, if you yeah. pass by and you're like, hi. I'm just passing through. Could I have some food? I won't bother you. They'll give you the benefit of the doubt. They won't necessarily yeah. come out and kill you with their size. But the moment you're aggressive, they'll fight back. Like, you know, yeah. they are quite. And, and they maybe maybe they have a little shop, you know, right at the beginning where it's like, all right, checkpoint. You know, maybe they live in castles because stone's not going anywhere. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you have a whole bunch of anachronistic different technologies, but they're all basic technologies. They're just self-sufficient. Communal folks. Now, do you think they guard the roads between the realities? Nope. That would be cool. And I think they should have a, their own version of rom, Romspringen, where they, <laughs> they, they go, look, you can go out and you can travel for a short period of time, but if you want to come back, we'll welcome you. And if you want to become a part of the world, uh, we understand. I love that idea. <laughs> they should totally have that. The time of wandering or whatever. There you go. I love that. That's great. Let's see. Do we want to define anything about the race that was there originally? Uh, do we want to play with that idea that they might be in the backward time zones, or do we want to just sort of leave that a mystery for now? I think they have a very secluded, large underground pyramid, or it could be like an Atlantis that nobody's found. Not even okay. the time. Not even the time surfing wanderers. It's behind a death wall, too. Uh, yeah, and there's only five of them left, or something like that. But they're so long lived, it's just insane. They're probably 20,000 years old. And maybe legends have seeped out, and maybe the monks have picked something up. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. No, they could, they come, and, uh, they could yeah. come go through the walls themselves. If we wanted to find them, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually all for not defining them, but if we wanted to find them, we could say that they perhaps could be the last survivors of the race, but they could also be possibly the ones who were responsible for the weird shift to begin with. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And whatever they did, and they, there more than five of them say, whatever they did caused the strange rupture in time, they were spared because they were in the center of it, and right. they've just been wandering around. And for them, they're watching our civilizations rise and fall constantly, and they just, there's nothing they could really do about it. So they're, they're yeah. actually really sad, but they probably know the secrets. And I love the idea, if they exist anywhere, they exist underground. Does this affect, is it just on the surface of the planet, or does it go through the planet itself? Because yeah. there goes an extra little wrinkle that we could exploit, yeah. too. I think it probably does go through the planet. Okay. I hate to say it, but it yeah. uh, uh, probably does. It makes sense. But uh, maybe not as much. Yeah. Maybe, maybe there's something in the rock. Maybe yeah. most of what they did was on the surface, but they were safe in their bunker, their epicenter, wherever. Right. Well, when they did what they did. We could say that their Atlantis is like five miles below the surface. So it's a long yeah. way down, you know. <laughs> you go down under the ocean and then under the ocean floor. <laughs> yeah. Maybe something like that. That'd be cool. Do we want to define anything about them, about, you know, just visually how they look, how their technology is or anything like that? Or do we want to just sort of leave that I, as I a mystery? I don't want to. Yeah, I, I like the idea of it being a mystery. With just a, okay. a short little, they exist, they're old, they kind of know what's going on, they're there, don't be paranoid, the end. Okay. <laughs> so are they always, are they robed? I mean, they're humanoid though, right? Maybe. <laughs> not necessarily. It's hard to I say. I mean, we're not even going to describe them... I think, that, I think of them as trans-dimensional beings, that they don't really perceive oh. time the way we do. They don't really 
necessarily have bodies the Blowing way balls. Well, right now in my head, I'm imagining the Erskex. Uh, yeah, that's from, what I From thought. the Dark Crystal. From, yeah. But maybe they're robed, but, but they're beings of light and strange matter. I think, yeah, I was, I was thinking more of the angel beings from Babylon 5, the... Oh, uh, the uh, the Vorlons. The Vorlons, sort Vorlons. of. Yeah. yeah, they're not they're not native to this universe, really. But maybe these guys go. are left. Yeah, maybe, maybe they could be like. Ooh, what if their arrival? They're not even, and that's why we give them a mystery because the ones <laughs> that are on here aren't necessarily even the natives to the planet. Yeah. Their arrival not- on the planet. Yeah, <laughs> caused the the problem. They're now trapped just as bad as we are. We are, and, yeah. And maybe, and maybe those ruins are actually for a different civilization, <laughs> a totally different civilization. <laughs> that they wiped out. Oh, god. That they wiped out by shifting. And so they're, they're, maybe there are a few of them. Maybe they're exactly like the humans. They tried to colonize, screwed everything up, and now they're trying to find a way to get off the planet as well. And they're they're subject to the exact same rules as we are. Except that the, the planes don't affect them. Maybe they're actually pushing us towards that evolutionary stance of the monks, where we can do something to actually get <laughs> off the planet and get them free as well. Yeah, I like that. Or maybe like that that's a just a myth. Yeah, who knows? I like that idea. Okay, I do yeah. like the appearance of the, the Vorlons are the big tall guys, right? That are always robed. They're always in a suit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're always yeah. Okay, in that, that's in that what environmental I like. suit. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. I'm totally good with that. Maybe they're sort of semi-angelic looking things that are, and they're, perhaps they're, they're contained, like, but they're contained in these these shrouded whatevers. Right. And they're always like seven feet tall, right? Right. Sure. We can make them like that in somewhat in aspect. You know, they don't look like the Vorlons, but they've got things where they're sort of, uh, if you see them uncloaked, then they're more like glowing semi-angelic things. There you go. But it's hard to really say. You can't really look at them for very long. Right. And so they stay cloaked or shrouded or what have you. Did we want to do anything with this shift tech, this term that came up? Do we want to define that someone has this technology that can affect the fields and how it works and how far it goes? Do we have that, or is that something that's being developed, or what is it? I think if everybody has it, it's going to be the technological oasis. Yeah, they're trying to pierce the veil. If people are moving, maybe what they're doing is you've got groups of them who are on expeditions to see if they can communicate when they're back, and that's what they're doing. There's whole maybe small expeditions of these guys moving out, and they don't want anyone to know they have it, right? So they're going to these oases and they're trying to send messages back but they don't want people to know that there is a technologically advanced because the Mad Max guys or whoever might come in and and spoil everything. They're looking to spread their technology out. So this is just so that I'm clear. This sort of shift tech refers to a technology that allows the rules around you to be maintained from your home zone where it's like where your technology still works. Ooh. How about... Is that what we're saying? How about... At a basic level, it can still work for, as a communicator. So what normally can't happen is you can't communicate from one place to another without physically traveling there, right? So, you, for instance, right. I couldn't be in one zone and call you from the other, but right. I could write you a letter and hand deliver it to you because mm-hmm. physical movement takes place. But what shift tech is doing is it ha- it's found a frequency, a resonance that actually will allow it to, to communicate. It's only there from communication, but... If once the communication works, then maybe they can do it to nullify the effects of the shift. I, or to get off planet at that point. Yeah. Shift out and get away so from So maybe it works with the, shall we say, the harmonics of the mm-hmm. of the waves mm-hmm. yeah. to be able to carry a signal. So you have this walkie-talkie, right? Mm-hmm. And you take it into a zone where it should not work. Mm-hmm. Would it work? 
I say it doesn't. I think if it can physically work, the signal can pass through zones that don't make it work. Does that make sense? Okay. In infancy. With, okay, so imagine it's in the infancy, right? You have a walkie-talkie. You have your home base. You walk through a zone where technology doesn't work. It doesn't work. You walk into a zone that technology does work. Now, normally, oh. you, you wouldn't be able to send a signal through that dead zone. The device doesn't work when it's in the dead zone, but the signal will transport through okay. it. Okay, right. It's still radiation. It's still yeah. EM. So they're working out ways to set up connections with further away places. With using. the goal being to create technology that can transcend the limitations of those shift fields. So yes. the idea is future generations should be able to have the, you know, maybe in three generations that walkie-talkie will work. And then three more generations, it will be able to do something else. But maybe where yeah. we are at the beginning of the story, we have just the beginnings of it. Like they've, they've Maybe we'll eventually be able to transport people along or, the or way. Or put a satellite up in, yeah. in space. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, totally. You can get your geolocation stuff on. Right. You can have satellite radio and yeah. disk network and yeah. stuff. That's right. It's really all about the dish. Okay. All right. Is there anything else we wanted to find about this world I think before we're ready we get to, to the name? Let's name. Yeah. Is there any? Are we good? Are we yeah. ready to name things? We need yeah. to name. Okay. Let's name things. I have a list. <laughs> I shall now go down the list in no particular order. Do we have a uh, a name for this wave effect? What do people call it? Ooh. The shift. You started out. You started out with the hard one first. The shift. I know. Right. The it, we could be the shift. It could be the wave. The wave. Uh, it could be the wave. A phase wave, a shift wave. Then it's wave tech? Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's fine. Wave tech is fine. Okay. But I like to think that when someone's describing it, it's like an X wave. What equals X oh, is what I'm wondering. You want an adjective, something that describes. I kind of would like an adjective, yeah. Hey, can we skip to the next question and think about this one a little bit more? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe we should tackle this one later because this might actually also be the name. I was going to say, this yeah. name ends up being <laughs> the like, name. It was the first thing I wrote down and I realized, you know, maybe this is actually the setting. Yeah. Let's see. The next thing I have down here is the main colony ship, what the name of that ship was. <laughs> something like the precedent, huh? right? You know, like the, the Ooh, precedent yeah. or... Or pinnacle. The pinnacle. Or, you know, if our steadfast desire to travel is adamant, so we're, we're the adamant or the... The um, adamant is good. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Adamant. Do we want the adamant? Well, the adamant That's do? an unusual name. I like that. Yeah. The adamant. Okay. Sold. I looked up synonyms for wave. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's the flow, the rush, the surge, the flood, the oh. stream, and the tide. If the tide, tide shift. a tide Whip shift wave. sounds, I I like the tide shift, the idea, especially because mm-hmm. the idea is that it, if it it could rise and fall, we could actually quite literally have a low tide and a high tide that could. that could be cyclical. So mm-hmm. that that could be almost entirely random. Maybe there is a pattern, and maybe that's what we call it, the tide. So, I like that. That works. What do you guys think the tide? Yeah. yeah. Okay, the tide, and then changes in it are called tide shifts. Tide shifts, yeah. And then you can have them literally call the shift tech shift tech, and that would be fine. Yeah. Okay. And so the techies, the techs who have got their own private England. Um, <laughs> there would have to be a certain amount of pride in the fact that they are advancing forward. If, they, yep. if they're aware that there's a regression, they could be the advance. They could be something involving stabilization. Mm-hmm. The dawn, the lift, the strength of progress, betterments. Hey, I'll tell you. Referring to themselves as the progress is not a bad thing. <laughs> because uh, they are. We are progress. Well, you know, their capital city might be called progress. 
I think the crest is like the crest of a wave. The elevated. The reason. Reason's not bad. <laughs> if we used reason, I think it would need to be like the thing of reason, the X of reason. But that, that kind of implies more of a cabal type thing. Mm-hmm. But the college of reason. That's not bad. Oh, the college of reason, yeah. I think the College of Reason would be a different institution within the larger group. Well, we haven't named their board of directors, so we could call them the College of Reason. Yeah. The College of Reason. Okay, we've got that. Oh, the academics. No? Okay. That that, that (laughs) might be a little too... Yeah. A little too on the nose. Okay. You know, the academy. Uh, what are we? The academy. Again, the, coherence? the coherence. That sounds good. Yep. How about because the you can actually you have two different ways of playing. What the corollary? The corollary. Ooh. Uh, the corollary. A proposition that uh, follows yeah, from and is often appended to one already proved. Forming a proposition that I mean, follows from one already proved. It's a little odd, but it could work. Yeah, it seems a little dark. It seems like the corollary would be the uh, scientific cult. Thing. No, I think yeah, I think you're right. I think there is a corollary, but they're a, a rival of the college. What about um, the convention? Ah, that's good. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Let's do that. Um, a way in which something is usually done within a particular area or activity. We good for the convention? Yeah. Let's, okay. Okay. The convention sold. We can always backtrack <laughs> yeah. real quick they if are. we find something else. They are the convention, and there and there are leaders of the convention. There are groups of the convention. There is the College of Reason, which is within the convention. The people of the convention. The Cyanomeds. What do we want to call them? Okay, what if we do a play on words with sailors? Or we could just call them navigators. Ah, navigators is good. Yeah, because that works. they are traveling with the waves. They are navigating the tide. They're nav- if you're navigating the tide, you're a navigator, right? Yes, it's sold. Okay. <laughs> navigators. That's good. No, that I like that. That works. Okay. The uh, outsider dweller folk. The Amish. People out in the countryside. I like referring to something along the way of stalwarts. Actually, st- I'm, I'm happy with that. Stalwarts is good. I think stalwart works. Loyal, reliable, and hardworking? Yeah. Okay. That works for me. Yeah. Stalwarts? Yeah. Are you good? Uh, yeah. All right. We see now this next item on my list has become more complicated because I originally wrote down the original inhabitants, which we've now determined that the beings that we've been talking about are not, in fact, the original Correct. inhabitants. <laughs> Does anyone even know that there's a difference? No. They no but only they know the difference. They don't even use names. They don't even use names. We would... Right, but in, in legend, what would they be called? Oh. The Echoes. The Echoes. Not the Tide. Still Waters. You know, I I've just started trying to look up synonyms for Atlantis, mm-hmm. uh, and I've got Utopia, I've got Apparitions, I've got Chimera or Chimera, depending on which side of the room you're standing. Oh, Chimera! Uh, I've always dealt with a, I've always yeah. with a high, hard eye, so Chimera. Yeah. So we could call them that word that we all pronounce differently, mm-hmm. if we want. That works. You want to call so, them the Chimera? Well, here's the thing: Chimera is a thing that is hoped or wished for, but is in fact illusionary or impossible to achieve. Correct. <laughs> Are we going to name the planet? Yes, yeah. that's coming up. That's actually next. We might let's maybe even try to name the planet first. And oh, okay, yeah, name the planet and, and then come from. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, what do we want to call the planet? <laughs> so here's the thing: follow, follow progression. If we were heading there, we would assume it was something along the lines of Earth too, right? So yeah. we would we would give yeah. a name, but then we realize it's not what it is. So there's a shift to it. So what we need to do is take what we would originally call it and then tweak it slightly with almost a derogatory sense because it's like, oh, wow. you know, it's, <laughs> we look at it, we think okay. it's paradise, but it's actually paradise lost. Is there something along those same thoughts that has an almost oceanic quality to it? Okay. There's the Fata Morgana, which is the, ooh, 
It's that that's the uh, like when you're out at sea and you're looking towards the coast and you see a city because of the refraction of the light. Uh-huh. Do you realize that if we name this planet Morgana? Yeah, that actually could work. Well, I mean, we're talking about, of course, someone from Arthurian legend. Right. But at the same time, uh, maybe it was something similar to that. And that was the derogatory twist. They just started calling it Morgana. No, but this is beautiful. Listen to this. Vulgar Latin for fairy and Arthurian sorceress Morgan Le Fay from the belief that these mirages often seen in the Strait of Messina were fairy castles in the air or false land created by her witchcraft to lure sailors to their death. They see the planet. Whatever they originally called it doesn't matter because when they, it looked perfect. But when they landed on it, it is essentially a, yeah, um, a death trap. Yep. It, it's a siren. The planet, yep. the planet could be a siren. It looked great. We got on it and the waves wrecked us. The people who are not on the ship, so the, the people who land on the ship whose time has only progressed 20 years, they're still referring to it by the regular name. Everyone else has that name has been lost to time, realizing that it was a, oh. it was an illusion, and they refer to the planet as Morgana or something along those lines. Hmm. I'm going to look up synonyms for Fata Morgana. <laughs> Don't, <know. laughs> Don't not, hear that every day. Not gonna... Sirenum Scopulae. Avalon? Just, Avalon, maybe. Ugh. Maybe they originally tried to call the planet Avalon. There you go. They fell to calling it something else afterward. Yep. Once they realized what it was. The ship people okay. still call it probably Avalon. Yeah, that's that's not bad. It's in the center of the water. It's a, a place. It's not actually terrible. It's really interesting. And Fata Morgana as in Chimera, it says on here, which is, I think we're circling it. Interesting, isn't that it? happens? <laughs> what is the name of the island in the Tempest? Oh. Hmm. I should know that, but Ignis of course I do not. Ignis Fata? I don't know that it had a name. Yeah, I don't know if it did. Okay, maybe not. Yeah, unnamed but, island. Yeah. But then you've got, let's see, Prospero. They originally Prospero, wanted to call yeah. it Prospero because they they here they are, an island in the middle of the, the galactic sea where we would prosper. And as soon as we landed with, like, ah, they, they, hit, they went through a tempest. They went through a tempest. And now they're yeah. constantly being buffeted by waves. It, so, I mean, they, it, they could refer to they the could planet just... as Caliban. <laughs> oh, yeah. The monster that is the essentially... Monster, yep. Yes, I like that. Okay. Okay. So the planet is called Caliban mm-hmm. at this point. Okay, so what would they call the original inhabitants if they call the planet Caliban? Well, I'm sorry, this race that they think are the original inhabitants. What do we want to call them? These are considered to be mythological, right? They don't actually exist. Yeah, yeah, as far as most people are concerned, yes, they're considered mythological. How about specters? Because a specter is something that comes out of the darkness and out of the shift. And sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of like boogeymen. Yep. The specter will come and eat your children if they're not. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. I am too. Call them specters. Is there a term that we want to use for these oases, um, or do we want to just call them oases? Oases or islands sounds really good because they are yeah. there's something still in the middle of a, of the tide. So right. mm-hmm. yeah, I think we're good using oasis or island interchangeable there. Mm-hmm. That's probably fine. How about this? The large ones are called islands. The small ones are called oases. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with that. All right, do we want to call a, have a collective term to refer to the crew of the adamant? I imagine that they would refer to themselves as the crew of the adamant because they don't realize what's happening outside of their sphere of influence. And then everyone else, the convention are probably the few people that actually remember they still exist. Maybe they just call them the adamants. Yeah, or the adamant as a crew. The crew itself is not... Ah, it becomes synonymous with them. Yeah, yeah, the adamant. They might consider them like the frozen, too, because they're in a slow time envelope. Hmm, The still. The still or the... There you go. I like maybe calling them the adamant and then maybe occasionally yeah. still. Yeah. Yep. 
Okay, um, is there a term we want to use for Mad Maxer types? Well, the nomadic people, the navigators, are the Mad Max types. It, they're just, you can have good navigators and bad navigators. Refer to them as pirates. I like the idea of pirates. Mm-hmm. Basically, pirates, I think, is a category that can include anyone who is either a bad navigator or just someone who is traveling around and just taking stuff and doing what they what they can with it. Do we want to name the captain of the adamant? Yeah. What do we want to name the captain of the adamant? Let's see. Anjali, Shanda, Chandra. How about the last name Bao? B A O. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe like Chandra Bao. Oh, I know. I know there's a famous woman named Chandra something or other. Chandra Kochar, who is the most powerful woman in business, is referred to as a power woman. She's like number. Oh, I, do, I, yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> I like Chandra Bao. What do we think? Do we yeah. like that? Chandra, Chandra Bao. Yep. Captain Chandra Bao. Yep. Or Captain Bao. The convention. Where do they live? What do they call the place where they live? Yeah, their zone's pretty stable, right? I definitely think that it yeah. should be the something zone. Uh, it definitely seems like... At one time, I think we were talking about naming their capital city Progress or something like that. Yeah, that works. What do we want to call the overall zone, the land? What about the theorem? Because the theorem is a general proposition, not self-evident, <laughs> but proved by a chain of reasoning, a truth established by means of accepted truths. Is that I like too- that. So the idea that we live in theorem? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So their zone is called theorem. Yep. I don't have anything better, so I'm fine with going with theorem. Yep. Are we good? Yeah. yeah. The monastery folk. Ooh. Do we just call them monks, or is there something specific we want to call them? I mean, essentially what we're looking at is, in, in many ways, these guys are Jedi, in that they have their finger on the pulse of the mm-hmm. planet, and that's what gives them their power. So if we have a word that goes along with that, wouldn't be so a bad a tune? The attuned? I like the attuned. Um, the attuned, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yep, I like that a lot. Do we want to go with that, the attuned? That mm-hmm. works. Okay. They could pejoratively refer to them as tuners or something like that, right? Uh, but, but not with an uh, earshot. Yeah. So the monks are the attuned, or maybe some even recall them the attuned monks. Mm-hmm. Okay, the death zones. Do we want to call them something other than the death zones, or do we want to just leave it at that? This is something that out in sea, where nothing can survive, I think there's, there's a refer to it well, as something that... Actually, the there was a term. Um, sleep, termination, silence, repose, quietus. Ooh. Ooh. So that bad. sounds good. Could be. Death zones, or just the quiet zones. I like quiet zones. Yeah, the quiet zones is good. So do we want to just call the zones zones? Necrosis. All the zones? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So I think the quiet zones is probably good. I like quiet zones. That city that's the capital of where the convention lives. The big London. Uh, that city, yeah, the big London-like city. I, I, I think at one time we came up with the idea of calling it Progress, which I like, Ooh. but we can call it something else. I think Progress uh, works. Yeah, I like Progress. Progress, okay. Oh. And do we need a name for the sort of Atlantis-like city, this legendary place where the Spectres live? Yeah, Miranda. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say either Perfect. Miranda or Prospero. Yeah. Prospero's not Miranda. bad either. I would lean in toward Prospero, actually. Okay. And, okay. and the other thing is, Miranda is that planet in Firefly, the, uh, the Serenity oh, that's movie. Right. That's yeah. right. Ah, okay. Let's go with Prospero. That's I like where that. I recognized it from. <laughs> ah, well, there we Oh, are. I was thinking the Tempest, but yeah, okay. No, and I was, too. And, and because oh, Yeah, yeah. She's no, but you're right. You're right. You're right. Good yeah. call. Okay, Prospero's good. I think we're good. Okay, so, the setting. Dun, dun, dun. I think we have an argument for calling the setting Tide Shift. Yeah, we can call it that or tide like. wave. 
Tide Shift. I would say Tide Shift, and or calling it Caliban, but Caliban runs into a little tricky trickiness. And, and uh, yeah, no, I think well, Tide Shift's not bad. Yeah, it's it's not really about the planet so much as it's about these zones. Yeah, I like, I like Tide so, Shift. Do we like Tide Shift yeah. as the, tide, the yeah. name of the setting? Yeah. 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 Okay. Tide. So there we are. Yay. We now have the setting Tide Shift. And if any of you listening at home would like to make use of this setting in your games or in your fiction or what have you, feel free to do so. It is completely open. Um, all you need to do is just credit us on the podcast here, and we're good. Thank you very much, Drew, for coming and joining us in our insanity. Wow, it was yeah. really enjoyable, guys. It's uh, really fun. I had a lot of fun. Thanks. If folks want to find you online, where should they go? Well, I spend most of my time on Facebook, but uh, if you want to find Skullcrow Games, uh, it's at Skullcrow, which is uh, S-C-A-L-D-C-R-O-W.com. And there you can find all, all the awesome books that uh, I have worked on for the last year or so. And you can like awesome. them on Facebook. I did so. You can like them on Facebook. You can sign up for our newsletter, Citizen Crow. The system's a great system. Uh, if you like those gaming, I could teach it to you in five minutes. We can get character creation and rules in, in about ten total and then start playing. And uh, our newsletter is going to have cool updates, new games, stats updates of what we're going to be doing so we're very excited about being a part of that group cool awesome well thanks again for coming by and thank you all folks out there for listening and that's it for this one we'll catch you on the next world have a good one <laughs> see you later and if you go to colonize a planet for goodness sake make sure it's the same when you land as when you're above it <laughs> take care good night all we are out Thank you for listening to Crucible of Realms. Do you have comments or a question? Have you used one of our settings? Tell us about it. You can contact us at podcast at crucibleofrealms.com or leave a review for us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Or if you'd like to contact one of the hosts individually, you can find our emails on the website at crucibleofrealms.com. The Crucible of Realms podcast and all settings created on it are released under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 unported license. All music was composed and performed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com.